Hello, I'm Emily Hawthorne, Stratfor's Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Sign up for our free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. Today, we're talking economic news. The EU reported robust GDP growth in the second quarter. South Korea raised its policy interest rate, the first major Asian central bank to begin withdrawing pandemic-related money accommodation. And the U.S. is worried about inflation. How exactly are economies recovering from the pandemic? Here with details is Michael Monderer, Stratfor Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain. Hi, Michael. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Let me just ask you really quickly, what is the thinking on the global economy right now? Well, it's probably time for a fresh look. Um, the latest projections we have on the global economy were all made in the summer, um, for example, at the at that time, the IMF projected U.S. growth would be about 7% for this year. Um, there's a consensus beginning to emerge that, uh, that, in fact, it's going to be slower than that, probably in the range of 5 to 6%. And we have several main trends. Uh, one is the continuing fight against COVID-19 and its variants, primarily the Delta variant. Um, there are supply chain bottlenecks just about everywhere that are constraining production and contributing to inflation. Um, there are other factors contributing to inflation, mainly mainly excess demand. And of course, central banks are beginning to normalize policy, as you noted, uh, with cutting back or cutting back or beginning to raise interest rates. So Michael, can you elaborate a little bit? Sure. Well, first of all, a year and a half after the pandemic was declared, COVID-19 remains the dominant factor in the global economy. Um, nobody really foresaw that happening. The projections were that it would be well under control by now. Uh, there is recovery taking place where vaccinations are widespread, and, but less so elsewhere. Uh, and even in the U.S., where, where we have a large part of the population vaccinated, the pace of vaccination is slowing. And we have, as we're talking, we have a resurgence in the Delta variant, especially among children. And as colder weather sets in on the U.S. and Europe, there are better conditions for the virus to spread. And, of course, we now have another variant, the Mu variant, which began on the, sub the southern hemisphere during the, the southern hemisphere's winter and now could spread to the northern hemisphere. So the bottom line is we're probably still going to be talking about COVID-19 in 2022. Some countries in Asia are starting to approach it as if it's now an endemic problem and that there will be chronic issues with it. Uh, it's not slowing the entire global economy, but it's a significant driver of what has been called a, a two-staged or a two-speed recovery, rather, with diverging growth prospects between co countries where there are vaccinations and countries that are lagging. Um, the good news in all this is that there's been a strong recovery in the U.S. and China. And now, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Europe is starting to come out of recession. Uh, but growth in those areas is also beginning to moderate and has probably peaked. Uh, so the most likely situation we're going to face is one of that's called stagflation, which is sort of a combination of slower growth and higher price levels. 
Can you explain a little more about the supply issues and how serious they are? Certainly. Um, when we talk about supply side issues, what we're talking about is delays in delivery and production of goods. And that's probably a bigger downside risk to the global economy right now than is the, the Delta variant. Um, it's resulted in shortages at a time when there's high global demand coming out of the recession. And a lot of companies have discovered they have pricing power, which means they're able to pass on uh, price increases in, in what they're buying to, to buyers and consumers. And even if those price increases are one-off, that is, they're not going to occur again, uh, prices tend to be sticky downwards. So it has a long-lasting effect on growth and inflation. The most, the most obvious supply-side shortage that we're facing is, is semiconductors. And the need for semiconductors in the economy has sort of become ubiquitous. Uh, supplies have been limited because of the outbreaks of COVID in Asia. And as you've had computer and electronics manufacturing shifting to Southeast Asia, mainly Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, uh, those have all been affected by renewed lockdowns. And in addition to which there are container shortages for shipping, so we're just seeing a, a, a very much a, a slowdown in the not just the production, but also delivery of goods. And that's contributing to rising prices. All right. How will these governments respond to all of this? Well, it's important to recognize that the rise in inflation is eating away at consumer purchasing power. And this is at a time when consumers and private investment are really needed to drive the economic recovery. Uh, governments are constrained in what they can provide in the way of fiscal stimulus. Uh, we, we've, it's pretty much run its course in the U.S. and Europe, and we may have some additional, slight additional stimulus in the U.S., but, but that's still up in the air. So the uh, central banks, mainly the U.S. Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank, um, are, are really where the action is regarding policy going forward. Um, they both maintain that inflation is somewhat transitory or temporary and that demand is and that uh, um, it's mainly due to supply side issues that we just talked about. Uh, but nevertheless, prices are higher. And we think that both central banks are probably going to move towards tapering their mon or, or cutting back on their monetary policy accommodation going forward. Uh, the Fed, for example, will probably announce a tapering of its asset purchases whereby it injects additional money into the economy, most likely in November, and that would be implemented in, in December and January probably. Um, it will not for now include interest rate increases, but those will probably follow shortly thereafter. And these in, in, in Europe, the, the ECB faces somewhat muted, albeit high, its highest inflation in 10 years. Um, it may follow with, with, with Doran policy accommodation in 2023. And I would say that the outlook in both areas depends on what happens with, with, with wages, which have been increasing in the U.S. And the issue the central banks are going to have to answer is whether increased wages are a result of increased productivity or a lack of labor supply and, and excess demand. Michael Mondor is Stratfor, Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome, Emily. Thank you. 
You can stay ahead of global economic developments and how they contribute to geopolitics. Sign up today for the free Worldview newsletter from Rain. Find out more by visiting worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.